Thank you, Alan and uh, Ashley. Let's take our Bibles and go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I'll just remind everybody where we've been at. Um, we, we saw last week that, that Jesus revealed to his disciples for the, that really the very first time that a cross was coming. And his death, his burial, and his resurrection was on the horizon. And we know that Peter and the other disciples, they were not having it. They weren't too thrilled about it. And as a result, Jesus rebuked them. Why did he rebuke them? He rebuked them for valuing the things of men more than the things of God. And this morning we're going to see that Christ not only informs the disciples that there was going to be a cross in his future, but he also lets them know that if they followed him the way they were supposed to, that there would be a cross in their future too. So let's look at Mark chapter 8, and we're only going to look at one verse this morning. It says, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word, and I thank you uh, for the nice weather that you've given us this morning. We thank you that uh, for the people that have come out this morning, Lord. You know, I pray that you'll help us all to realize that this is the most important part of the service as we open up your word, and we read it, and we study it, and we, we hear it preached. I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to uh, take heed to what's being said. Uh, no doubt this is uh, a radical call that you've made in verse 34. I pray, Lord, that you help us to heed the call and help us, Lord, to be true disciples. Not just to say that we are Christians, but to actually live like it. I pray, God, that you'll be with those this morning, as I know that there are no doubt some here uh, that are not Christians. Maybe they're just here at church just because it's expected of them or somebody wants them to be here or out of obligation. I pray that today, as we see your word in verse 34, I pray that you'll just work on their heart and, and break their heart and help them to see their need for you. And I pray that they will be saved. I pray, Lord, that you'll just help me to say what you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less, and uh, that you'll just work uh, through the preaching of your word in the way that only you can, in your holy name. Amen. I was thinking the other day, you know, several times a month, I get phone calls from spammers and scammers, and I'm sure that you do too. Seems like it's getting worse all the time, but it's funny because anytime I do that, and I answer, if I answer the phone, uh, a lot of times they'll they'll always have something that I can't live without, or they always have information that will lead me to millions of dollars that are that's already owed to me. I just got to call and claim it, right? I got to call them back or do whatever, type this number, and of course, whenever that happens, I typically hang up and I'm irritated about it. But in verse 34 here, we see a call from Jesus Christ. And this call is a call unlike any other. And this, this call is a call to be his disciple. And with this call, he gives a detailed description of the cost that's involved. Now the majority of people, when they hear this call from Jesus, they reject it just like they would reject a call from a scammer. But unlike the call from a scammer, this call does not promise to make our lives easier. It does not promise to make us richer. This call from Jesus Christ is a call to accept hardship, to accept suffering, to accept self-denial, and to 
except a sacrificial life. But the acceptance of this call, it brings us something far greater than any physical possession could ever bring us. To accept this call is to accept the gift of eternal life. It is to truly know Jesus Christ. And it brings us eternal rewards, despite the fact that it brings us earthly hardship. Now, as Jesus extends his call, he does so to all that would hear. Notice in verse 34 what it says. In the beginning there, it says, When he had called the, called, uh, the people unto him with his disciples. So Jesus, he was getting the crowds. He would, he would try to reach those that were maybe on the fence. He would try to reach those that were maybe curious. He would try to get to the heart of his uh, 12 disciples that were with him already. And he would get them together. And, and he gives this call. And I'll tell you what. I don't, I don't think there could be a more important message for the church today than what we're, what we're going to look at this morning. This one singular, singular verse, it outlines the core of real Christianity. And it outlines the core of our journey in discipleship. And hear me clearly to this morning. Nobody, nobody can call themselves a true disciple of Jesus Christ if they are not seeking to do what Christ has said in verse 34. Now this may come as a shock to many of you, but it's, it's the truth. So to start off, look what he says. And look at your letters in red if you have that type of Bible here. It says, whosoever will come after me. What does that mean? He says, listen, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you need to do. This is what it entails. I'll tell you what, what, he, what Jesus calls these people to do, it flies in the face of the prosperity gospel. And what he calls people to do also flies in the face of the one, two, three, repeat after me, and you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. It flies in the face of all of that. So what does Jesus call people to do? Well, he calls people that would hear to do three things, and we're going to just break it down here. First, he says, deny yourself. Look at what it says. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. To deny yourself, it simply means to forget yourself. To lose sight of yourself. To lose sight of your interests. And we learn from this that, that true discipleship involves denying your wants and your wishes and your fleshly desires and your interests whenever it interferes with the will of God. Now, if you're saved this morning, I want you to know that the grace of God teaches us that we must submit to God in this way. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. It speaks of this. Titus chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 11. In Titus 2, 11, it says here, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and look what it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now look, if you're saved, you know that your old nature wants, it desires to live ungodly. It doesn't want to be righteous. But the salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ, it is the greatest act of grace. I mean, just think about it. Think about, if you're saved, think about where you were, who you were, where you were, and where he's brought you from. 
If, you, if you're saved this morning, you were a sinner on your way to hell. You were separated from God. Your heart was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So bad that you don't even know how bad it is. And here we are, undeserving of anything good. We're deserving to be separated from God forever. And that is exactly what we had coming our way. Because God, He can, he can have no part with sin. And there's nothing that we could do to be saved. And yet, thank God He did not leave us there. Thank the Lord He sent Jesus Christ, which was God in the flesh. To live a perfect life. To die. Shed His blood on the cross for our sins. And he, he was buried for three days. And thank God He rose from the dead. Proving that He was indeed God. And if you are here today and you've trusted on Christ. Then you have experienced the grace of God. And knowing what Christ has done for us. And taking the wrath of God on Himself in our place. That drives us and it teaches us. As this verse says. It teaches us the uh, necessity of living our life submitted to His will instead of my own will. It teaches us to deny ourselves and to obey God. To live godly lives. To live righteously. To not live for ourselves. Grace teaches us the necessity of obedience. It's as if to think, man, look, if Christ did all of that for me, then why would I not live for Him? Why would I not obey His word? So this grace, it teaches us to deny ourselves. And this is what Jesus was saying that us as his disciples needed to do. Now you might say, well, what does that look like? What does denying myself look like? Well, to deny yourself is to no longer live your life with your own interests at the forefront of your minds, but rather God's. It's to no longer be dedicated to your will, but God's will. And at times this may mean giving up your dreams and your goals and your life pursuits in order to follow the call of God for your life. Now in the context you consider the disciples. We know that Jesus' disciples, they had to give up everything to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some of them were well off. You think of Matthew or Levi, the, the tax collector. He, he was probably doing pretty good. And yet, Jesus Christ called him to give up his life of money and leisure to be a poor preacher of the gospel. To deny yourself involves aligning yourself with God's word to avoid giving into sin, despite how badly you may want to give into it. Now this goes against the way of the world, doesn't it? It goes so far against our mindset. Uh, the world will say, listen, if you want to waste time all day on mindless entertainment, then you just go ahead and do it. If you want to watch pornography, then you just go watch it. If you want to step out on your spouse because it will make you happy, then just do that. If you want to get drunk or get high or go partying or, or do whatever like that, then you just go and have fun. If you want to gossip and get things off your chest, then go for it. Just do what you feel like doing. Do what makes you happy. Do what is best for you. But Christ says, deny yourself. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him and the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And listen, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're saved, you're a servant of Christ. You're not a servant of your flesh or your sinful desires anymore. And listen closely. If you claim to be saved and yet all you've done since then is, is serve sin, I beg you to examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. To deny yourself also... Entails looking out for the interests, the interests of others instead of your own interest. 
You know, countless churches have been split and countless marriages have ended in divorce because two groups of people or two people refuse to deny themselves. They're too concerned with their wants and their desires and uh, in their selfishness they say things and they do things that just drive a wedge between one another. And listen, the result is never the glory of God. It's only the glorification of themselves. But that's not the way of a Christian. That's not the way of Christ. That is the way of the world. A Christian has the interests of other people in mind, not just themselves. What does Philippians 2.4 say? It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So to deny yourself, it also uh, involves serving the Lord. You know, I mentioned this last week. It involves serving the Lord uh, and the people, even in this church, instead of constantly being served. To deny yourself means that you're, you're pouring out of yourself and you're giving of yourself instead of always taking and taking and taking. But for some today, to deny yourself is to just finally stop trying uh, to go your way, to deny your way to heaven and your way for forgiveness from God and just finally trust on Jesus Christ. Simply put, to deny yourself is to cast down the idol of self and to lift up the Almighty God. It is to deny self-centeredness and to be Christ-centered and other-centered. So, so Christ called all men that wanted to be his disciple to deny themselves. And this is the first call. And he calls us to do this today. Go back to Mark chapter 8 if you would. Secondly, he doesn't only call men to de- deny themselves, but connected to this, that first call, he calls men to take up the cross. Look at what it says here again. It says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and stop. Look what that next word says, and. That shows us that this call is uh, intrinsically connected with the call to deny yourself. He says, and, not only deny yourself, but take up your cross. Take up your cross. And you know what? The call to take up your cross, it is really the ultimate display of self-denial. I want you to consider this morning the gravity of this statement. Think about what this would mean when Jesus said this, where he was. In this culture, the, the cross was not a polished symbol like it is now. See that? That, that wasn't something that people would do. It wasn't a piece of jewelry that people would wear around their neck or their, their wrist. And you know Why? Because in Roman culture, the cross was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of agony. And it was specifically reserved for Rome's most detested enemies. It symbolized the very worst way to die. To die by way of the cross was so cruel and so gruesome that the Roman government would not even allow their own citizens to die that way. Now, before a a prisoner would die on a cross... They would have to bear their cross. And the bearing of a cross, it was a public acknowledgement and acceptance of the punishment that they were about to endure. Bearing the cross involved the prisoner that was going to die on that cross taking a, a humiliating walk down a road with the cross over their back. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ would endure down the road. Look at John chapter 19. I'd like to see that. John 19. And we'll look at a couple verses here. Look at verse 16 of John chapter 19. It says, 
in verse 16, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And look what it says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. Now we know from other accounts that Jesus, as he was starting to bear this cross, uh, he started this journey to be crucified, and we know that he could not do it anymore, likely just so weak from being beaten, uh, and Simon of Cyrene had to uh, help him with this and pick it up. But one of the reasons that the Romans forced those that would be crucified to do this was because it represented a person's final act of will. These prisoners were not only told to do uh, it, what to do in their life, but also in the manner of their death. So the carrying of this cross, it was a public proclamation to everybody that you were submitting to Roman authority. To carry a cross in this manner, as Jesus would do, was to say, I accept what the Roman government has convicted me of, I accept the punishment that comes with it, and I accept that they are indeed supreme over me and they rule over me. They have all the authority. That is what it meant to carry a cross. So when Jesus said, look, if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross. Those that were listening, they understood exactly what he was saying. To take up one's cross the way that Jesus said, it means to humbly submit yourself to him and to his will. It means to openly and publicly accept what he has in store for your life. It means to embrace the suffering and the shame that may come your way as a result of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It means to accept the call for submission to the authority of Jesus Christ and uh, a willingness to endure the challenges that may accompany this commitment. To take up our cross today means to publicly declare to all men, Jesus Christ is my authority. I humbly submit to Him. I identify with Him. And whatever He has in store for my life, I accept it. Whether that means suffering or sacrifice or shame, I accept whatever he has for my life. He's my authority. I submit to him. Again, I say so much for the prosperity gospel. It's very clear from this call of Jesus that he wasn't calling people to make a fortune. He was not calling people to live an easy life. He was not calling people to have peace and prosperity or to live comfortably far from it. Instead, he makes it abundantly clear that to follow him is to accept hardship. To be a true disciple of Jesus Christ involves taking up your cross and following Jesus Christ. Now, Luke, he gives us an account of this. And in his account, he informs us that taking up our cross is not a one-time thing. It is a daily act of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Luke chapter 9 and see that. He adds an additional word here that... That shows us the gravity of this statement from Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. In verse 23, it says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Look what it says, daily. Daily. And follow me. Listen, this is a daily thing. 
To take up our cross as a Christian, it means to acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ and submit to it every single day. Not just once in a while, not just when you feel like it, not just on Wednesday night, not just on Sunday morning and Sunday night, every single day, daily. To carry our cross involves obeying Christ despite the shame and suffering that will come. And again, when we consider the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross, the least that we can do is carry our cross in devotion to Him. This is the call. Matthew chapter 10 verse 38, it tells us, Jesus said that whoever's not willing to carry their cross, they're not even worthy of me. So this is serious. Now, He enables His children through the Holy Spirit to do this. I want you to know that. If you're saved, He enables you through the power of the Holy Spirit, to take up your cross and do what He says. But if you're not His child, you cannot have this level of devotion to Him. It's impossible. But if you are, you are called to deny yourself. You are called to carry your cross. And lastly, look at, go back to Mark chapter 8. Lastly, we see He doesn't only call us to deny ourselves and to carry our our cross, but again, and this is connected, he He calls us to follow Him. Look at verse 34 again. When he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto him, unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And look at it again. It says, and there again, follow me. So Christ tells the crowd and the disciples that are, are there, Hey, listen, in order to be a true disciple of me, you need to follow me. Look, I, I really want everybody to get this. I want everybody to understand this very clearly. We know that Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they what? They follow me. Notice in this passage, Jesus does not say you need to follow a pastor. He doesn't say you need to follow a church. He doesn't say you need to follow a ministry. Or a personality. He says follow me. Listen, we all need to follow Jesus. If you're here for anybody or for any other reason besides Christ, you're here for the wrong reason. He says, follow me. And that, that, those two words there, follow me, it means take the same road as he does. It doesn't speak of lagging behind. It certainly doesn't speak of you leading while Jesus follows you. But rather, you taking the same road, side by side, he's leading the way, and you're right there with him. You know, if you were to go back in time and you were to walk around one of these cities, uh, maybe you went to the marketplace or you went close to the synagogue or, or maybe by the sea, you'd often find a rabbi teaching a group of people that were his disciples, just like we see with Jesus. Jesus was, was a teacher. He had disciples. And those rabbis, they would teach their students the scriptures, and they would teach uh, his students the way that he lives his life. They would te- he would, the, the rabbi would teach uh, his ideas and, and his philosophies. And listen to me carefully. Where he would go, they would go. What he did, they would do. His friends were their friends. What he loved, they would love. What he despised, they despised. Who he talked to, they would talk to. And get this, those that were following did not set the terms. The one that they were following 
did. And this is what true discipleship to Christ looks like today. We follow Christ. If we're really a disciple of Christ, we love what he loves. We hate what he hates. Where he tells us to go and where he's going, we go. We don't set the terms and tell him what to do. Let me say that again. We don't set the terms and tell him what to do. We do what he says to do. We're not in the driver's seat. We're not calling the shots. We're not writing the script of our lives. We let him do it. Stephen Lawson said that true discipleship is not inviting Jesus to jump in the back seat to join us where we're already going. It is allowing him to take the driver's seat and lead us to where he wants us to go. And oh, how many Christians want Christ to just be an add-on to their life. Many people think that Jesus is just their buddy that's along for the ride. And you know what? If that's how you view Christianity, your Christianity is useless. If that's how you view Jesus, I would question if you even really know him. Listen, true discipleship and true Christianity involves denying yourself, submitting yourself to the authority of Christ, and following him. That is the call. Have you answered the call? Again, this is not easy. This is hard. This is hard. True discipleship is not easy, and it, it was never promised to be. But again, God's grace... And the Holy Spirit of God, it empowers us to do this. We know that Paul told Timothy, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There will be hardships, there will be hard times, there will be difficulties. But truly, to truly follow Christ would indeed come at a cost. And this is why Jesus said what he said so oftentimes when he said, Hey, you need to count the cost. He said this to a man actually who was really interested in following him. I'd like to look there, if you would, go to Luke chapter 9 again. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 57. We see a man that was really interested in following Jesus. And Jesus, knowing the hearts of all men, he had something to say about that. Look at Luke chapter 9, and look at verse 57. It says, And it came to pass, that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. So he says, Jesus, listen, I will, I will go anywhere with you. I will follow you. I will do all that you do. But then guess what Jesus says? He encourages the man to count the cost of this commitment. Look at verse 58. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. In other words... Even foxes have a place to sleep. Even foxes have a home. Even foxes and birds have a place to go. But the Son of Man, I do not have anywhere to lay my head. I only have a place to sleep. He, he was saying to this man, listen, if, if you follow me, you're going to have to live a life of sacrifice. Are you sure that you're willing to take that on? And this man needed to count the cost. And if you're going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to count the cost. If you desire to have rewards in heaven one day, or to be used by God, or to be more like Christ, it will come at a cost. And though the, exception, the, the acceptance of this call, it brings earthly sacrifice and hardships, I again tell you, it also reaps eternal rewards. 
And it brings glory and honor to our great God. So this is what Jesus called them to do. You know, I think it's really awesome that Jesus never used a bait and switch method to reach his disciples. He never did that. He was also plain, he was always plain and clear. He always gave them the truth. There was, there was no tricks, there was no gimmicks. There was no, uh, no hiding things, just straight up truth. This is how it is, this is how it's going to be, so be ready. And as one preacher said, this is the most radical call that Christ has ever made. So consider this morning, are you living a life of self-denial so that Christ may be glorified in your life? Are you daily taking up your cross? Are you truly following Jesus Christ? In, in what area do you lack commitment to the Lord? Are you living truly as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or are you just kind of doing your own thing and just having Jesus Christ tag along? We need to embrace the radical call of discipleship that's mentioned in this verse. We need Christians to submit to the authority of God, to align ourselves with His Word, to prioritize others over ourselves. We need to commit to a life of sacrifice and obedience and recognize that true discipleship comes at a cost. Listen, how committed to Christ are you this morning? If he told you to do something you didn't want to do, would you do it? We need to be all in as disciples of Christ. We've got enough half-hearted Christians out there. We need real disciples. To deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Christ, as he says in verse 34 of Mark chapter 8, I want you to know it's the most Christ-like thing that you can do. It's the best thing that you can do for your family. It's the best thing that you can do for your community. The best thing that you can do for your church. And most importantly, the greatest thing you can do for the Lord. Now you may be here this morning, and you've not trusted in Christ to begin with, and, and maybe you've realized this morning that you've been unable to deny yourself. You've been unable to to take up your cross as Christ calls you to because you've not been born again. You have no ability to do that because you've not been regenerated. You're not a born again Christian. If you've realized that this morning, then listen, won't you just empty yourself of pride today and commit your life to Him. Deny your self-worth. Deny your own way to try to get forgiveness from God and just trust on Jesus Christ. Give it all to Him. We learn from our text that Jesus, he, he, never, he never calls people to, to pray a prayer, to fill out a commitment card. He called them to trust on him and to be saved, to follow him, to submit to him. And listen, I tell you what, if you are trusting in a prayer instead of trusting in Christ, you're on the path to hell right now, and you need to trust on Christ and be saved. So won't you do that? Won't you trust on Christ this morning instead of yourself? Won't you live... A, a life that's dedicated to Him instead of dedicated to yourself. Won't you trust on Christ this morning and have eternal life? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.